0: Coming up on today's show, you'll be hearing one of the most important and meaningful conversations I've ever had in the six-plus-year history of this podcast. The impact of COVID-19 has affected everyone and has changed the world permanently, but one of the positive changes is the increased awareness of mental health and realizing the importance of it. Film producer and psychotherapist Rebecca Day joins the show to chat with me about why she wanted to work in the film industry and how that led to her becoming a licensed therapist. We also talk about the importance of mental health, specifically the importance of work life balance in the film industry, and why she created her therapy practice, Film in Mind, which offers consultation to filmmakers who may need it. As I said, this is one of the most important and meaningful conversations that I've had on this podcast because, in addition to my professional life being affected by COVID, I've also had several events happen in my personal life throughout the last couple of years that have made me realize how important mental health really is. All of that coming up on this week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, which starts right now. Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and I've been excited for weeks about this chat because with the whole COVID-19 situation that we've been dealing with the last several months, it's made a lot of people realize that not just physical health, but mental health is super important. That's why I'm really excited to welcome to the show this week, film producer and psychotherapist, Miss Rebecca Day. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. And it's funny how this whole interview was set up because a couple of years ago, I went to Philadelphia for a conference called Podcast Movement. And it was there that I met a fellow podcaster and also a documentary filmmaker named Chris Parkhurst, who you were on his show, Uh, fairly recently. And I listened to your episode and I was like, I've got to get her on the podcast because with this whole COVID situation, it being something that we've never dealt with before, mental health is really important. And it's something that I've really learned the last couple of years, not just with filmmaking, but things in my personal life as well. So um, I wanted to start off by asking you, which came first, the filmmaking side of your career or the therapist side of your career?
1: For me, the filmmaking side, um, definitely. I I was working as a documentary producer um, for the last 12 years. I still am a little bit. I'm still producing a feature at the moment and a short, um, so I'm still doing a little bit, but I retrained as a psychotherapist about three or four years ago now. So, yeah, that, that came much later.
0: What was it that initially made you want to get into filmmaking?
1: Oh that's a good question. Nobody's asked me that for a really long time <laughs> um I think when i when I was at school, I really wanted to be a journalist actually um and I guess that's I wasn't really um aware of documentary making so much at that point. I grew up in a very rural town in in the uh, um in Scotland and um yeah, and then I just discovered, I did a film course, and I mean, it wasn't documentary focused, but there was just something about it whenever we touched on it, that I guess it was that interest in journalism and just um, people's stories that, that really intrigued me. And then, you know, as I started doing work experience from leaving university, it was always the doc stuff that, that drew me, that um, really pulled me in. So, yeah, it's just a kind of instinctual thing, I think.
0: Well, and it reminds me of a couple of things that I've been talking about recently here on the show, and that with documentary uh, filmmaking, it's the truth can be sometimes a much better and sometimes even crazier story than a narrative or fiction. And in a way, the journalism and the documentary filmmaking are kind of one and the same. It's just a different form of storytelling. I mean, you're still finding out factual information and you're reporting it, but you're just doing it through a visual mean as opposed to you know writing it
1: mm, yeah absolutely and i think it's something about the depth of documentary making can i mean i know that you know with journalism you can go to that depth but um i think feature length documentaries you know the amount of time that we spend with people and how immersed we are in the stories is, is really appealing to me and then obviously the visual element of that as well although i uh, hands up i'm i'm not a technical or uh, person in that sense. I've never directed anything. I always do the producing side. So,
0: so for those who may not know, what goes into the producing side of, of a documentary film?
1: I, I mean, for me, it's a very, it's still a very creative role. So I work very closely with the director um, to shape the story and to um, to just kind of, fi- you know, figure out how how we can tell that story in the most creative way possible, but really the producer, that's, that's part of it, but it's a lot of strategy building as well, you know? How are you gonna get the film financed? Where are you then gonna place the film when it's, when it's finished? And that's not just about distribution in terms of cinema and television. It's For me, the, the really exciting part of it is, um, is how you connect with the communities um, of people that will be interested in your story
0: the people that it, that it really speaks to. And I always like to bring that up because people will think of, you know, like the director or the lead actor or actress when it comes to a film. Like you see the creative side of it, but people don't think of the whole other side that it takes to to put a film together. Like it's a true collaborative effort from all sides, from both the creative and the business side. So it's always interesting to hear the producer side of things, because I feel like that's something that's, that's not really discussed when it comes to film, because like I said, everyone wants to focus on, you know, what you see, you see your acting and, you know, people will bring up the screenwriting every now and then, but people rarely really bring up the business side, but it's, it's very important. Mm.
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what, I guess that's, you know, you need the two. You need the two things together, obviously. They complement each other. And I, I always worry when I hear that a, a director is going to try and produce a film alone, which often happens in documentary. And that's, I guess, it's it's partly because of the lack of funding. Um, but it's also because those stories are so precious and so personal often that it can be really hard to hand over to a producer. But it's a huge amount of work to balance... Um, the time needed to be creative as well as the time needed to go to festivals and sell the film and be that voice that's selling the film as well, because often you're selling the idea as as much as the director themselves. It's both of those things.
0: Well, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but what I love about the filmmaking process is what you just mentioned, that collaborative effort between all sides Creative business, you know, from director to producer, even all the way down to to PA is that a film, whether it's a narrative or a documentary, it takes a true collaborative effort in order to make it happen. You know, I use this analogy, I feel like almost every other week here on the show, but it's a film is one giant machine and all the roles are cogs in the machine and it takes them all spinning and working together in order to make the machine work because if one doesn't then the machine doesn't work
1: yeah absolutely yeah and that takes a huge amount of communication of course and i and i think if we start to pull this round to mental health that's that's often where we can fall short it's just um how we don't communicate the needs what everybody's needs are in a project, you know, and I think there's something quite unique about documentary in the way that um, it can take, you know, some people can be working on their films for more than three years, directing them, shooting, developing. And a lot of that time is, is spent alone. They're, they're very small teams. So, you know, the amount of time that you're actually filming a film that you'll, that you might be taking a DOP with you or a sound recordist is actually quite small and producers. I mean, I've, found, I I did work in a production office for some of my time producing, but I also worked from home as well. And it's, you're behind a screen, you know, predominantly looking at budgets and finance plans and, and um, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So it can be very, can be surprisingly isolating as well.
0: Well, also, and I wanted to really talk about this when it comes to the documentary side of things and how it deals with mental health is that, Sometimes even the subject matter can have a huge effect on someone's mental health. Yeah, I was talking with a documentary filmmaker on the show about a month ago. Uh, He actually went to Madagascar for an extended period of time, and they're one of the poorest countries in the entire world. And he talked about how seeing all these people, you know, living in that environment really had an emotional impact on him. Is that something that that you've seen now that you've also transitioned into the psychotherapist side of things? Is that something that you've seen during your time doing that?
1: Yes, definitely. I I find myself talking about trauma a lot more than I thought I was going to be. Um and I didn't I didn't mean I, I haven't trained specifically in trauma, but that is that's part of my training plan over the next um over the next few months actually. My first course is in September because it it's something that just keeps coming up this idea of, by the first-hand trauma or vicarious trauma. And when I use that word, you know, it doesn't need to be um, a natural disaster or sort of um, childhood trauma that goes back a long way. There can be tiny moments that all build up, you know, like a, a really difficult working relationship or like exactly like you just described of, of that documentary makers experience in Madagascar, you're just being exposed to other people's sof- suffering over pr- a prolonged period of time and we're not immune to those to those emotions and um, you know we can only hold I think as human beings we have an enormous capacity actually to, to hold that for other people but not without acknowledging it and processing it and making space for it and as filmmakers that's something we're not very good at doing because we're very busy all of the time
0: yeah, because your mind's just thinking, okay, well, this is done, now I've got to move on to the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. It's, it's a it's a huge in-depth process in really any aspect of filmmaking, but you, you hit the nail on the head. I think, as human beings, you know, emotions are very infectious, both positive and negative. Like, if you're in a room and you see someone laugh, chances are it's going to make you laugh. If you see someone, say, crying, or you can tell they're upset, then usually the natural course is to feel empathy for that person. So I, I can't imagine going to another portion of the entire world and seeing just these vast amounts of people in these horrible situations. I, I personally, like it would have, you know, a huge traumatic effect on me. So I, I give major props to anyone who, who can do that. But at what point did you decide to go into the psychotherapist side of your career? was there a specific moment that made you want to do that?
1: there was sev- several I think it was a, it was a combination of of several moments um, or experiences um, and it took me a long time it wasn't a quick decision so i I was restless for probably around three years before I made the decision before I realized what it was. That I wanted to do. Um, I've been I've been working on a film about a young man with motor neuron disease. You call it ALS in America. Um, and I was working on the impact campaign for that film, and it was really transformative for me. You know, I, I was the person who was in touch with with the community of people who were living with this with this awful disease, and or who were caring for people living with it. And um, and when it was over. I really missed those conversations. I really missed that that feeling of connection that I had with the people I was talking to. Because what we essentially did is we organised a global screening campaign for the film, um, and you know, sort of the point of contact between hundreds of people who were getting in touch to to organise screenings of this film all on the same day. So it was very intense and very emotional, and you know, we were dealing a lot with with death and, and illness and. But I was really surprised when it was finished, this this huge void, you know, it's like, oh, hang on. There's something about that that was really, that was really um, potent for me. Um, And it took me a while to, to find, I could find I wasn't getting all of it in my, in my documentary work. So the psychotherapy seemed to be a natural step. But and then on the flip side, there was also my own experiences of burnout I had a couple of episodes of burnout while I was working and, um, you know, just realizing that I didn't always have time for my friends and my family and my growing family as my sisters were having children Um, and knowing that I wanted to do that as well. And um, yeah, many things, just seeing other filmmakers struggle under the pressure and wondering where the support was, you know, there were so many amazing filmmakers either leaving the industry or suffering from breakdowns or, you know, just, being really stressed and not themselves and realizing that there was nowhere for them to turn. Yeah. Yeah, so
0: <laughs> yeah no, absolutely. And it's interesting because, you know, with, with my job, we really preach work life balance because you have to have both. You can't totally immerse yourself in one thing because if you, focus only on your work, you're going to miss out on so many other opportunities. Like you mentioned, you know, spending time with your family, your sisters having kids. I've kind of gone through the same thing with seeing close friends who are starting families or getting married. And it's like, you know, I want to be a part of that and not immerse myself in whether it's my day job, whether it's the filmmaking side of what I do, the podcasting side of what I do. You have to have that balance. Otherwise, you're going to get completely burned out and... Like you said, it could result in, you know, quitting whatever it is that you're doing, or it could be potentially worse.
1: Yeah. And we know it has been, you know, there's a lot of research, a lot of research coming out at the moment. that's And people talking as well about about how how far, how systemic these problems are, especially in documentary where we're, we're seeing people really, really suffering, really struggling to the point of of. Of not finding a way out and and taking their own lives and you know that's that's it has to be addressed we have to be talking about it so yeah it's really crucial well
0: and you mentioned the the isolation part because a lot of indie filmmakers you know you have to wear a lot of hats if it's a low budget or sometimes even a no budget film if it's something that you're putting on yourself some documentary filmmakers find themselves doing the filming the editing really all of it Mm -hmm. And it it can be a really emotionally draining process because you got to think of the time you take to set up interviews, to go film footage, and then the editing, you're sitting by yourself in front of a computer for hours and hours and hours. It's it's a lot. It, It can really be a lot. People still don't realize how much work goes into even a short film. And I'm, I'm glad that, you know, someone like you is, is addressing it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, and it needs to come from, there's so many angles that need to be looked at. And I, and I think as an industry, we are slowly starting to do that. I mean, the, you know the way we the decisions what we allow ourselves as documentary makers is is one thing but there's also how the industry values documentary as an art form and you know a lot what lot of what you were just describing often those are decisions made is because there's no other option financially there's no other viable option to get in the team that you need to get your film made so you know um sometimes it's a creative decision and sometimes it just it's a decision of out of desperation there's nowhere else to go and I think you know actually that really affects our creative capabilities as well because when we're working at that high stress level our our capacity to be creative is quite reduced.
0: When filmmakers often put a lot of pressure on themselves because it is a high pressure environment you know because you want to obviously put together the best project that you can and as we've mentioned, there's a ton of work that goes into it. And if you try and do everything yourself, you know, and that was something that I had to learn whenever I made my first film a couple of years ago is that I had to delegate responsibilities because I was wanting to do everything. Whereas, you know, my assistant director told me, No, this this person's here to do this job. You you don't have to worry about it. And a lot of a lot of filmmakers don't have that person to tell them you know, no, you can, you can take a step back. This person can handle it. You know, you focus on the directing side of things or focus on the, the camera side of things or the writing side of things. You know, overloading yourself with trying to make it as good as you can, as we've mentioned, can often result in, in negative aspects. But uh, I did want to ask you about, so you created uh, this practice called Film and Mind in 2018 Uh, and we've mentioned you know your past experiences and everything and I, I think it's it's great that something like this exists because a lot of people they relate more to those who have been in the same situation as them as far as troubling situations like you being on the filmmaking side of things you know you know what it's like to be in that environment so I think hearing advice from someone who has been there is is extremely helpful
1: yeah i mean it's definitely it's something that's been reflected back to me by a lot of my clients is that they don't need to explain they just don't need to explain the intricacies of, of how the industry works or, or I think often it's actually justifying why we do what we do because when you start telling a stranger or, you know, a therapist who starts off as a stranger when you start telling them about that actually, it sounds completely bonkers you know, it's really, it's not... Um, yeah, you sort of you explain the stress, the sort of stress levels that that puts onto your life, and how much time it's taking up, and how little money you're earning from it if you're not earning very much money, and all of those things combined. And they're like, well, why are you doing this? And that's not what filmmakers want to be doing because we, it's 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 such a, I guess it's quite an unspoken thing about why we're drawn to this type of work. You don't want to have to justify that in a therapy session. So, I guess I spend a lot of time with filmmakers just sidestepping all of all of that preamble and just getting straight down to you know what what is it that your needs are in this moment and and how can how can we help you get there or how can i help you get there you know um, so a lot of confidence issues come up and a lot of just like you know relationship struggles within the industry and and then and then realizing that especially for documentary makers a lot of that work that they're drawn towards is is coming from a much deeper place than um, than just curiosity as well so there's a lot of that too
0: you brought up an interesting point if you go to just a, a standard therapist it really is like you're telling a complete stranger you're like most I don't want to say intimate but you're most like personal. Problems. It is kind of a crazy concept, but uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I'm glad that you know something like this is around because, as we've mentioned, filmmakers deal with so much pressure that is not really talked about. So to have to have that is, I think, a, a very valuable tool. So, what where where can people go to find more information about film in mind?
1: I have a website um filminmind.co.uk I couldn't get .com unfortunately um I'm on Instagram as well and um I'm not very good with social media but I try and now uh, or they you can just email me yeah it's Rebecca at filminmind.co.uk so I'm quite easy. I think all, my, all of my contact details are on, are on the website. So I'm quite easy to find. And, you know, it's an evolving practice. I mean, I, I started late 2018 and then I took a few months off um, for maternity leave. And so I really got going properly at the end of last year. And, and I'm really just responding to, to, to learning from my clients and, and figuring out, you know, finding out from them. What they need, and then adapting the practice as I as I go along, um, and just kind of growing it that way, which is really rewarding. Yeah.
0: So, is it just you that is offering um, advice? Do you have other people who are working with you?
1: I don't at the moment. No, it's just me. Um, oh, I fantastic! Would love to. I would. I mean, the whole the whole plan is to, you know, is to is to have a team of therapists, um, preferably in different parts of the world so that you can actually do face to face because at the moment everything's over zoom um partly because of the because of the um pandemic but also because i live in in a rural rural place in the north of england so there's not many filmmakers here Um, but i i really believe in choice of therapist as well and so you know if somebody would prefer to talk to a man or would prefer to um you know just you i think you just need to have a choice of that of, of the type of person that you want to talk to because therapy only really works if you have the right fit for you so that's that's the sort of uh, long-term goal yeah but it's finding it's finding those filmmakers who have who have then turned to therapy or, or vice versa you know somebody with that understanding of the industry
0: no, absolutely, and you hit the nail on the head because I, I I had a therapist years ago until you know she retired, but it it was one of those things that I was only going to do it if it was the right fit, and luckily mm-hmm. it turned out to be the right fit because it's just like you know a, an inner circle of friends or a relationship, it has to be the right fit. You have to feel comfortable telling your most personal issues to that person, and if it doesn't connect, then you know you're not going to get you know out of it what you need. Yeah, so that's absolutely. very important.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, you need to feel really safe in that relationship and that you need to feel that you can trust them and that they're going to that they just understand you and you know, yeah, it's 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 very much a personal thing.
0: Yeah. So uh, we mentioned often on COVID-19 and how the pandemic's been affecting everyone Really, since March, when things really started to to get crazy, I know especially over here is when it started to to get crazy. But how has COVID nineteen affected you and your career?
1: Me personally, I've I, I feel very lucky. I, I have to say, I do feel very lucky in terms of the films I was I'm making. Um, none of them were in in um, filming at the time. Um, so we're, we can edit footage and so that actually hasn't halted the development of those two films that I'm making at the moment and then in terms of the film in mind work I actually saw a big increase in clients coming my way and, I, and I've and i been asked to, you know, I've been speaking on lots there's been, there's been more panels, more panel discussions more sh- short workshops on mental health than I've ever seen before so in many ways I think what it's done is it's the, the industry has just kind of hot halt, really halted in those first couple of months and and gave us all permission to pause and reflect and and part of what's come out of that is um is an understanding of how much we need to address mental health because it's it's almost that there's been like a big Big sigh of, uh, it's not relief. I don't know what it is, but it's, you know, it's like, okay, there's a bit of time. What am I going to do with this time? So, yeah, it's been, it's been really busy for me. Um, I, and I haven't had uh, help with childcare, obviously, because the nurseries were all closed. So it's been a challenge, but it's been great. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, the the film industry completely stopped because almost everyone that I talked to was completely out of work you know actors are still doing you know virtual auditions and things like that and you know writers can obviously still write while still at home but those who do the the physical part of the filmmaking have been you know out of work or projects they were working on have been completely halted and it's it's been interesting to get everyone's take because it's almost like everyone says kind of the same thing but in a different way and adds that little bit of a unique perspective and I I know with you know with my job because I I, I, over here in the states I work for a a minor league baseball team that we have here Mm -hmm. in town and and baseball was was canceled for us you know major league baseball still going on but minor league was canceled you know at the end of June and we've had to adapt and do other things and we've also been doing um, online workshops and some of them have been on mental health so in In some ways, it's bad because it's almost sabotaged our normalcy. Like, I'm one that I don't think what we knew as the norm will ever be that way again. Once, you know, the vaccines developed and, you know, I mean, COVID will still be around, but I think it'll be something like the flu, whereas you just get, you know, a vaccine or you get a shot for it and you'll be fine at some point. But um, in a way, it's been a good learning opportunity and as a way to learn other things. And I think learning about mental health has, has been one of those because it's in a way, I feel like almost forced people to be more aware of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think, I think it has, I think we've found have oddly, I think this sort of slowed down quite a bit, but there seemed to be this sort of frantic need to connect right at the very beginning and a lot of that connection was actually people saying how are you which I'm not sure we gave a lot of time to before you know it's like how is all this affecting you and people were being really honest um and that's you know when you normally when you bump into somebody at a film festival you get asked about your project you don't get asked about how you are um so that was a really big that was a really big difference, I think. I was quite surprised by, with the, with the clients, especially my long, longer term clients who I've been seeing before the pandemic. Um, we talked about it and it was obviously very much part of our work, but um, it wasn't overwhelmingly so. You know, there was still all of those same issues that were there before was, were still existing, except there was, there was more um, hope maybe that we actually could try and try and reframe things, reshape things, so that we don't go back as an industry to the way we worked before. Um, so I think you're right when you you know when you say whatever that normal was before this happened, we won't go back to that.
0: No, and in some ways I think it's good. Some ways it's not so good, but it's something that you know I think we're all we'll all get through it. In our own ways. Like I, we as the human race will get through it. And I think we'll embrace whatever the, the new normal will be. And it, you mentioned the, you know, asking how you're doing. I don't remember if it was from a movie or if it was, it might have been something that I just heard in passing. But it's like you ask the question, how are you doing? And someone starts at, uh, talking about their like career, or in this case, it might be their film project. And you're like, no, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Not your project. How are you doing? So I, I think with things moving so fast before the pandemic, just the world in general moves so fast. And now that things have slowed down, it's made us realize a lot of things. Or I know at least it definitely has for me as far as mental health goes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's it has... I guess it needs to be recognized how devastating it has been. And, you know, for, for, for many individuals. And I, I guess the, the remind the rem, there's the reminder. I felt like I was saying this a lot at the very beginning and haven't said it for a little while, but just take it really slowly and be really gentle with yourself because if you're struggling, then of course, of course you're struggling. It's, you know, there's no, there's no need to, Feel like you need to be on top of it all and and fixing it all straight away. I mean, it's just such a it's such an enormous shift, such a huge amount to kind of grapple with. That um, yeah, it just it's going to take a while to figure out, I guess. And and it's not it's not just the individual's responsibility. If we bring it back round to industry, I mean, it's it's very much you know a collective responsibility.
0: I am very interested to see what the new norm will be four film because you think of how many people are on a set you know just even on a, a short film there's still you know at least eight to ten people on set it makes me wonder if we've seen not necessarily the last of the big budget blockbuster movies like your marvel movies or your star wars movies but i wonder if we'll just see less of them and we'll see your more like smaller scale independent type film
1: Yes, perhaps,
0: yeah. It, it's, and
1: uh, it would really change things, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, it, yeah. it's it's going to be very interesting. It, it's going to affect everything from, I think, how films are made all the mm. way down to movie theaters because over here, all the major theaters are still closed. You know, mm. AMC and Regal are all still closed. So I, I think we they could open, I think, as soon as the end of the month, but... They also said that two months ago, and they just keep pushing everything back. So, I, I've I've said you know in in conversations both on and off the show that I think we're going to see the return of the smaller scale, like locally owned theaters that will show your smaller independent movies, which I'm perfectly okay with because to me those, for the most part, have the better story. The, and I I love you know the the Marvel franchise and the Star Wars franchises, but. I think we'll see a lot more of your smaller independent movies.
1: Yeah, I would love to see that, and not just not just because of the quality of the films that you'll then get in, but also because of because of the community that that creates. You know, in in small towns or villages, these sort of community screenings are really special. As as a as a documentary maker, that's often you know the types of films that I've worked on. That's often where where the screenings are the most popular, you know, we can do a theatrical release because that's kind of what's expected, but you have very small audiences and then you do a community screening and you could have full audiences in all of those. And they're in village halls and, you know, all sorts of unusual places. But And then there's always a Q&A afterwards and people talking and it's such a wonderful way to bring people together. So I think that will, that will be very much needed, yeah.
0: No, I love stuff like that. Back in December, actually, we have a a really strong film community here in Pensacola. And in December, we had almost like a mini film festival where we showed six different shorts that were made in the Gulf Coast area, you know, like in Florida and somewhere, I think, made in Alabama and in Mississippi. But we had it was the weekend before Christmas and it had been pouring rain all day. It rained from 8 o'clock in the morning until you know after the event was over. But we still had between 60 and 70 people show up, which was mm-hmm. still, I think, really good. But I, like you said, in, in doing Q&As afterwards, I, I love festivals and screenings like that. So I do think we'll, we'll definitely get more. At least I hope so.
1: Yeah, or more outdoor screenings. Maybe yeah. that's the way to go. Not so popular in Scotland or the north of England, but... <laughs> <laughs> We can try. We'll bring
0: some umbrellas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, and yeah. yeah, outdoor could be could be a thing too with with COVID because that seems to be that I think that will probably be part of the new norm. Is more outdoor things like screenings, uh, concerts, things like that. I think we'll see a lot more of those. Mm-hmm. But um, as we start to wrap up here, you had mentioned that you had some films that you were working on that had already been filmed, so that didn't really you know they weren't really affected by covid what what do you have you know in the works currently
1: so i have a short film um it's just that's almost finished um and a feature film that we've still got a bit of filming to do but um we've done quite a bit of it that's a mental health film actually well i say it's, it's a mental health film it's it's um it's around those themes so it's um, a the, it's a personal film from the director so um Scottish filmmaker Duncan Cowles that I'm working with and it's about men's mental health so we're looking at um he's looking at his own struggle with um with intimacy and emotion and he goes on a bit of a road trip around the UK talking to other men about why that is such a struggle so um yeah it's and I think there's there's similar similar themes in the short film as well but it's also looking at it's the short film is, is um, set in the Lake District where I live now. Um, so it's very much about our connection with the land and, um, and uh, yeah, and nature. So, yeah, they're kind of, they're all thematically very uh, linked to, to who I am, for sure.
0: I would love to see that a documentary about men's mental health, because that, that's something that is, I feel like, starting to get talked about more, at least over here it is. But you know, it's like men still have that stigma of you know you can't talk about your emotions or talk about your feelings. So I, I would love to see that whenever it's done.
1: Yeah, I, it it certainly seems to connect with lots of people whenever we talk about it, I and mean, you know I think people can feel it and whatever their experience is with it. It's 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 um certainly a, a pretty systemic problem in in Western society at least. So yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll get that finished next year. Um, It's called Silent Men at the moment.
0: Absolutely. No, I would love to see it. What's one piece of advice that you could offer to an aspiring filmmaker?
1: Hmm, It's a good question. I've spoken to a lot of new emerging filmmakers who feel like they're being asked to do things that make them feel uncomfortable, that don't feel... Um, that maybe feels exploitative I guess and I think in the very early stages of your career it's really hard to set those boundaries and turn around and say no I I, I you know I'm not going to do that and I and I think for emerging filmmakers it's you know it's it is about asking yourself what kind of workplace you want to be in what kind of films you want to make what you know what how, how do you want your working life to look? And you set that up at the very beginning and hopefully that's as healthy, as positive as it can be. And there is such a fear of losing jobs. It's so hard, um, but until we start doing that, it feels like things are gonna be much harder to change. So I guess that's it and, ju- and set up a support network definitely just you know make that part of our make that part of our industry practice I think it needs to be standard practice for doc makers to be having this kind of um talking support you know reflective whether that's whether that's with a therapist or your own reflective time um I think that feels essential and if and if and I am encouraging um the funders will come around to this but I think we just need to start including it in our budgets as well, if you if you need therapeutic support, put a line in your budget, you shouldn't have to just don't have to justify that to your to your funder. Um, I mean, it's, it's self explanatory, really. So yeah, that's another, another piece of advice, I think.
0: Hopefully, that becomes part of this new norm that we've been talking about.
1: Yeah. Yes, I hope so.
0: And finally, uh, remind everyone of your uh, website and social media so the listeners can check you out.
1: So the website is filminmind.co.uk and Instagram is at film.in.mind, I think I managed to get. And then Facebook is at filminmind as well. And my email is just Rebecca at filminmind.co.uk. So it's all, yeah, you can find me. I think that's all on the website. So yeah.
0: Fantastic. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. This was a really fun an informative chat so thank you again this this was great
1: well thank you for having me derek and thanks for your insightful questions yeah and i hope um i hope the next wee while pans out pans out well for you and and well for everyone else and just look after each other and yeah
0: thanks again to rebecca day for that amazing chat about mental health in the world of filmmaking hopefully you guys got something out of it just like i did Be sure to follow her on social media and check out her website, filmandmind.co.uk. But I wanted to end the show on a lighter note. If you've been following me on social media, you know that this upcoming Friday, I will be launching the official Patreon of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. This has been something that I've been toying around with for as much as a year. So I wanted to reveal the full details of the Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash Diamond podcast this upcoming friday august 14th there are three different tiers to my patreon you have the production assistant tier which is three dollars per month which gives you early access to future episodes of the podcast as well as a shout out on air and social media there's the producer level which is five dollars per month you get the early access you get the shout out You also get to vote to decide the topic for a monthly roundtable episode. Starting in September, I will be doing a roundtable episode once a month, and you guys get to decide what that is. It could be about a specific topic of the film industry, like writing, editing, or directing, or it could be a roundtable about a movie franchise, like Jaws, Back to the Future, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a lot of cool options, and also... If you've been listening to the show for a while and you think to yourself, why didn't Derek ask that question? Well, you get the chance to ask it because at the $5 level, you get to submit a question to a weekly guest here on the podcast. So you'll find that thread on Patreon if you're at the $5 level. And finally, there's the director level, which is $10 per month. You get all those benefits that I've just named for producer and production assistant. You also get to participate in an exclusive monthly Q&A with yours truly. It doesn't have to be about film. It can be about anything. It is your choice. You get to literally ask me anything you want. And for these last two perks, there are a couple of disclaimers. So for the bonus show, which will be an exclusive Patreon episode, not a Q&A, but it could be a roundtable discussion. It could be you know, an interview, something that's going to be exclusive to Patreon. But the Patreon has to be making at least $20 a month in order for there to be a bonus episode. And if you're at the $10 level, you get exclusive access to it. And if the Patreon is making up to $30 a month and you're paying at the $10 level, you are eligible to win a monthly prize. It could be a DVD. It could be a piece of cool memorabilia I have. There will be a monthly contest for you to possibly win this prize. So a lot of fun stuff coming up for Patreon. I'm really excited for it. It's been something that I've been wanting to do for a while and finally pulling the trigger on it. You can check it out at patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast. It will be available this upcoming Friday, August 14th. And also, don't forget, you can follow me on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ddiamondpodcast. If you want to subscribe to the show, I'm on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you can get podcasts. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. And also, if you could leave a review, that would be very helpful. The more reviews I get, the more exposed I am to the general podcasting public. So you can head over to your podcasting platform of choice and leave me a review. And of course, thank you as always to my close friends, The Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you once again to Rebecca Day. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday.